Barbecue's our passion, and that's just what you'll get where the Kim Burns is a barbecuer. Tales from the pits. Howdy, welcome to another episode of Tales from the Pits. This is Brian. And Andrew. And we have Mr. Daniel Vaughn. Daniel, who are you with? I am with Texas Monthly. Oh, Texas Monthly. We've heard of them. We have. Yeah. A time or two or... Yeah, if, uh, if... Well, this better be the first episode you're listening to if you haven't heard us talk about Daniel. Well, we do a top 50 list every four <laughs> years. Um, it's a barbecue list. And everyone agrees with it. Of course, yeah. Yes. Nice. Everybody agrees with every list. It's uh, this, uh, this a cool episode for us. This is five years of doing this goofy little podcast. Um, started in May 2017, when literally the week the 2017 list came out. Uh, our first episode was on the way to Snows. That first Saturday they were open. When Texas Monthly bragged about them being $16 a pound, and that weekend they went up to 20 <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Carrie. Yes. And that would seem cheap these days. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. we would love to pay We would 20. kill for 20 yeah. these days. But, yeah, you know, I was we, just reading the article uh, that the New Yorker wrote when Calvin Trillin came to eat at Snows after Texas Monthly, before I was with them, named them number one in 2008. And I think all of the meats were eight fifty a pound. <laughs> I think everything a was eight fifty a pound. I think I've seen those signs. Yeah. At uh, yeah, that was 2008. Golly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's it, it really hasn't been that long. I mean, right. Well, I think my first trip to Franklin it was fourteen a pound. That was 2011. So I mean, ten, eleven years time. Here we are and meat prices and i know we all we all complain yeah. about them but we're going to keep paying them because we love barbecue and that's what these places have to play, pay to stay in business so but we've got a a ton to get into with daniel who obviously has a very storied career passion for barbecue covering barbecue being an integral part of the barbecue world so brian you want to kick us well, off? even if he's from ohio so <laughs> i'm from um, new york yeah and he's from new york but you guys came here and and you know let's just jump i mean that's not even one of our questions i mean I don't remember reading a lot of the stuff. I don't remember, like, why you came to Texas, and then what was your first, like, hey, Texas barbecue is this special thing. Yeah, I came to Texas because uh, my girlfriend, who's now my wife, moved to Texas uh, a year before I did, or a year before I graduated from college. So I graduated from Tulane with an architecture degree and then moved here in 2001 and worked as an architect for 12 years. And, um, you know, in that time developed a, a love for barbecue a love for texas barbecue uh first it was like a very confusing thing you know what is this the, i'd never had brisket that wasn't corned beef um i remember going to peggy sue barbecue which uh, was one of the first meals one of the first barbecue meals that i remember after moving to texas and having smoked ribs and just not understanding like i'd cooked ribs many times at home before you start them in the oven with sauce you cover them up with foil and then you finish them off on a propane grill with more sauce and uh, you get this this texture of roast pork right and falling off the bone was what you'd be looking for and then um i, I ate these smoked ribs and i was like it just doesn't make sense like how do you get this texture and the smoke flavor like what sort of grill are they using for this i i just really had no concept of what or how barbecue was made what a smoker really was uh, any of that so but my first bite of texas barbecue was at the cotton bowl um so i was there for an ou texas game and at halftime i ran out to grab something to eat and it was the smoky john's barbecue uh was right there they had a tent right there or their booth and i got a rib sandwich and you know you got to get right back in the stadium to be able to see the kickoff of the half of second half and so i just 
it was all wrapped up in foil. I just went right back into the stadium, right back up to my seat, unwrapped it, and like watching the game, take a big bite. I was like, these idiots left the bones in. What is going on here? <laughs> like, man, they're really, uh, really just trying to rush through this preparation. And uh, yeah, that's like how little I knew about Texas barbecue. It's a rib sandwich does have bones. It always have has bones. It should have bones. Uh, but then, you know, back then, I I just had no clue. So once you know, once you had that first bite of barbecue, how long was it before the you know the exploration started for you and the, the passion? Well, the exploration started um, you know pretty early in the Dallas area and go to places you know like Sonny Brian's. Um, there was a place called Holy Smoke Barbecue here back then. Anytime a new place opened, I'd go try it, and anytime I really saw a barbecue place, I wanted to try it. But uh, it was 2006 was the first time I really went on an exploration. You know. Much like y'all, I'm sure you enjoyed barbecue plenty in, in the Houston area and then, you know, turned it into uh, a real passion and obsession uh, that takes you all over. And it, it takes that that bite to make you realize this is like a different kind of food than I always thought it was. And for me, that was at Louis Miller Barbecue in, in Taylor on a Saturday morning. Uh, I di- didn't even know enough to order the beef rib. We had brisket and sausage, and I took a bite of the brisket uh, back in 2006 and was just like, wow, all right, this is what everybody was talking about. Because at that time, I was really skeptical of the top 50 barbecue list. You know, I was, oh, it's just, you know, it's so Austin-centric and Lockhart, and it's all about Central Texas. And, um, you know, is it really, how can it be that much better? than the barbecue that I've been eating in Dallas and came back from that trip understanding full well how it could be a lot better than the barbecue in Dallas at the time. And and that list in particular was, I, I mean... Yeah, that was pre-Snows, yeah. you know, that, that, was, <laughs> that was before the Snows discovery. So, yeah, I mean, I'm sure the Lockhart and Luling were probably right there at the top yeah, of the list. Yeah, it was all Coopers and Smitty's and Kreitz and uh, the Coopers in Mason as well uh, was big on that list. Yeah, it was actually the, kind of the reverse for me. Like, I grew up eating barbecue in Houston, but Houston in the 90s was a lot of automated barbecue, heavy, thick sauces put on a lot of things, steam table stuff. Um, so barbecue was more just a, a convenience meal that my family would have more so than I'd go explore. It wasn't until, you know, it wasn't until I got a little bit older that I started exploring it. And then Franklin was my first bite that kind of set me off on that wave. And from there, I went to the Lockhart's and Luling's and, and it was a, and it was such a different experience for me to go in reverse for that because I didn't have that appreciation of the history of what Lockhart is. All I did was eat it, and it didn't taste like what I just ate in East Austin. And, I'm, and I think the first tweet I ever sent out was, Texas Monthly needs to redo their list. <laughs> it was before Daniel worked there. Um, but, yeah, because at the time, yeah, it was the, the top four, I think, were Louis Miller, Smitty's, Kreitz, and Luling City Market. And, and I hadn't been to Louis yet at that point, but I'd been to the other three all in one day and then went to Franklin the next day. God bless my wife because she actually went on those trips with me. And uh, was ready to kill me by the end of it, but but yeah, it was it was the exact reverse for me. I didn't get that appreciation for appreciation for the classic stuff until a little bit later on. But you're right; it is a it is a different flavor, and I think and Brian, I won't speak for you, but I think the more we eat modern barbecue, the more we still appreciate the old school stuff too, because of what it is and what it meant to how we got to where we are today. The, the good old school stuff. So oh yeah, you yeah. know, for as much as I like to say I grew up in Texas, I grew up eating Bill Miller. And Salt Lake was the treat and County Line. And those were, you know, we hardly ever went to Lockhart. My family basically couldn't afford that. Um, And so, you know, Salt Lake, which is still a great experience. I love going to Salt Lake. Um, But what I had for, for, for brisket growing up and then into the 80s and 90s is that, you know, gray, 
all the bark cut off brisket and it was it was a trip through lockhart when i started going oh there's there's bark on brisket and bark, and the bark and is salt good and, yeah. yeah all of these things are good and and it just led into that you know oh my god there's this whole level of barbecue that it was just a, a fortuitous time for all of us because barbecue just exploded in texas um and and Daniel, well we you, thought it was exploding that yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah yeah at that time we thought it was huge and now here we are and like everywhere you turn there's you can literally barbecue. throw a rib bone and hit a barbecue restaurant yeah you're staying like right across the highway from willie meshack's barbecue and you didn't even know it was there yeah i've been yeah. there a couple of times they serve good brisket fantastic jerk chicken and it, it's a place that wasn't even on your radar because there's so many other ones to choose from and it, it's hard to keep up um now you started doing your your blog full custom gospel I mean, nobody was doing this kind of thing. Uh, yeah, there was one other barbecue blog that was dormant at the time uh, that was out there, and it wasn't really all that much detail about each one of the visits, but it did get me thinking, like, this cuisine deserves more input and deserves more than, you know, a, a list every four years in Texas Monthly. And uh, that was back before the time, or that was back at the time when everybody who was a food blogger was writing whether they had the goal or not they were writing as if they had the goal to take over the the food writer or uh, you know lead critic position at one of the big newspapers right that that we were just going to all the the newest restaurants that opened and and giving their opinion about you know their full meal um you know robert moss who's the uh, barbecue editor at southern living uh, made a joke about it, just sort of like, all right, so how was the appetizer? And then the main course. <laughs> and then maybe throw in a little atmosphere and a little about the service. And then, okay, we're going to finish up with the dessert. Uh, so I think everybody, <clears throat> most everybody who was writing about food at the time was writing about it in that way. And uh, I decided that it just made more sense to focus on one thing. And I don't know if I did this consciously, but it also makes more sense. You just really have to learn about one kind of food. Um, I, I think uh, trying to learn, you know, trying to be a Jonathan Gold and, and learn about all these different cuisines to be able to speak intelligently about them is a, a huge effort. And being able to just learn about one cuisine and uh, it just made the whole thing seem less daunting, especially when it was something I was doing just nights and weekends. But it was still, I mean, it still had to be a little bit more daunting, definitely more so than today. There weren't the resources out there to learn about this that there are now. So how did you kind of go about learning about barbecue? Because I know a lot of the old school guys weren't as keen on sharing information. So how did you start getting the knowledge? Uh, you know, there's still a whole lot of books out there. Um, you know, Book Smokestack Lightning was one of the first ones uh, that I really latched onto. It was by uh, Lowless Eric Eli. And it was about a barbecue road trip all over the country. And so he really talked in depth about different styles around the country and, and how barbecue was uh, prepared differently, uh, how different areas of the country valued different things, different proteins, different methods. And so that really opened up my eyes to, you know, there's there's not a one American barbecue, of course. There's not one Southern barbecue. There's not one Texas barbecue. Uh, so really trying to understand those different styles as they changed around the state and be able to be open to them, aware of them. And, you know, just basically just use my powers of observation, uh, to see what was going on around me. Now, some of those, <clears throat> some of those variations and styles have kind of blended together with a lot. Yeah. Of it's a question. That's something that comes up a lot. And I, I still call it big city barbecue. And I call it that because it really happens mostly in big cities It needs, the style of barbecue that you're talking about is 
you just showed me a tray of barbecue on Instagram, right? Glossy ribs and beautiful, juicy-looking sliced brisket and some probably some pickled onions on one corner and some homemade pickles on another corner and a little cup of sauce on the side and uh, some homemade sausage that's been sliced and probably has cheese in it. Don't forget uh, the tray. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on a butcher paper line tray. Yeah. And that today is what I think people outside of Texas and a lot of people in, in Texas call Central Texas-style barbecue, and it's just not. It's not Central Texas-style. It has the foundation in te- Central Texas-style. It has uh, a lot of the same equipment and a lot of the same tools, which I think is why it's uh, so revered. Is because it does it does the the hard stuff that Central Texas barbecue does, which is cook with um, you know no mechanical equipment. You're just talking about dealing with a fire on one end of a, of a smoker and a smokestack on the other, or just burning wood down to coals and, and cooking meat directly over it. And so that certainly goes into that style, but to me that big city barbecue style it's about variety variety and proteins it's about high quality meat variety in sides and desserts and what you also need is a variety of customers uh, to choose from uh, so you need a huge population center to be able to afford that kind of barbecue to be able to afford that kind of variety I mean the, the trays that, that we're all used to getting and the trays that I'm used to ordering Sometimes I lack the appreciation for the expense because I get all of my expenses paid by Texas Monthly. If I buy a barbecue, I get to expense it. But, you know, it's a real luxury what we get to do to, to be able to experience that many different flavors and, and that many different proteins and sides and desserts all in, in one sitting and know that we're ordering more than we're going to eat or the group of us are, are going to be able to eat in that meal. Uh, but I call it Big City Barbecue because I do think that it only exists, um, it doesn't only exist in big cities, but it's primarily a big city thing. And so if you go to El Paso or San Antonio or Dallas or Fort Worth or Austin or Houston, uh, all that barbecue is going to look pretty much the same because you do have enough people who are able to afford that. And I think that's a really good point. Plus, it's a beautiful picture and pictures sell. Um, but over time we've lost some of you know you talked about small town barbecue we talked about smithville today which which lost zimmer hensels again for a little while um possibly forever but at least for a little while what are what are some of those experiences or places or proteins that have kind of disappeared off the menu in your time of barbecue well the the place that i want to talk about is max barbecue in dallas and uh it just is representative of a lot of what i think you're saying is that it was an old school barbecue joint um you know, it was run by Billy McDonald. He took over from his father. Um, it had, he had, I think the barbecue place dated back to the forties and, um, in the fifties as max barbecue. And it was just simple. It was, um, they added ribs to the menu, like in the late eighties. Uh, before then it was really just chopped beef. And uh, in the early days it was chopped beef navel. And of course they switched to brisket like everyone else. And, when I first started going there, he talked about the fact that he doesn't season his meat with anything. It's got hickory smoke, and that's all you need. And that really goes back to the days of old-school Dallas barbecue, where the seasoning itself came in the sauce. Like the, the sauce was meant to go on the barbecue after it was put onto a bun, because that's almost how it was always served. Like, barbecue plates are kind of a new thing. And so uh, being able to go to that place and enjoy the food that had been served exactly that way for so long. And it was, of course, my sort of place of comfort. I did, I knew that I could go in there and I wouldn't 
I could just enjoy the food. I didn't have to, to judge it or, uh, you know, I, I didn't have to think about what I was eating. I could just go in and enjoy a chopped brisket sandwich. And um, I think a lot of how we consume barbecue and how people like us uh, encourage people to consume barbecue uh, does um, uh, take some of that simplicity away from it. And so when I saw a place like Max closing, I, I one, felt happy for them because they were ready to retire. Uh, But two, just felt like, you know, they're closing because of that, sure. But they're also closing because there's not a... Texas isn't as welcome to that kind of place as it once was. And that just is because of sheer variety. There's just so many barbecue places to choose from. It's hard to make your mark and and keep your regulars, especially if your regulars are an older population that is, um, you know, slowly not coming into your barbecue joint anymore for various reasons. Yeah, and we're seeing that more as, you know, barbecue had, I won't say no evolution, but such a gradual evolution for many, many years. And then from two, basically the from the Franklin era from 2009 to now, the evolution has just grown. It seems like every year, and really the last five years, I feel like, has just been this explosion to where you're getting generations removed of people cooking barbecue that aren't even that haven't even done the trips to Franklin, let alone the trips to Lockhart. And you have people yeah. that are that are just learning on YouTube or taking classes from you know from well-known pitmasters around Texas and and starting up, and they're not even doing that sort of research. And it's it's just it's an odd time in barbecue for those of us that kind of got to watch this explosion to see how fast these new generations have kind of popped up but it's also pretty amazing to think about you have a pretty complicated thing that to prepare right it um it's very has a lot of very specific things that need to happen to come up with good barbecue at the end of it and the fact that so many young pit masters are able to basically start at zero before they start reading the books and watching the youtube videos and then i mean just through what they can watch and read can get up to what 50 60 and then from there they can you know get to whatever if their target's 100 uh, for the quality of barbecue they can put out and it really did used to be where you would start at zero and then you start working for someone and then slowly 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 build up to be able to cook that particular person's style of barbecue not even have an understanding of the other styles or the other ways the other techniques that you could be using that's one of the things that palmyra barbecue in charleston is a place that really kind of even more opened our minds to that when we went there in charleston a few months ago he he's never been in texas he's never done the texas trips but you could go see a tray of his barbecue and it looks almost like you went you're sitting at pickle road at Leroy and lewis yeah, I mean, I it, went to Boom and Barbecue in Minneapolis, and it was the exact same thing. It, it was yeah, they were I mean, serving smoked beef cheeks. Uh, they were doing um, smoked burgers on Martin's potato rolls, and um, you know, I just said, "Are you, you know, you've obviously been to Leroy and Lewis?" And he's like, "No, just watched all his videos." <laughs> uh, I was going to say, I mean, I mean Bradley Robinson too. I mean, that, that availability of videos and that, like, we're in that generation now. I mean, when we talked to Leonard, those videos didn't exist, and so. You know, he was he was scrubbing through articles he could find and eating where he could. Now we've got this generation that has this access to videos or or classes from from some of the restaurants now too. It's just it's amazing the the amount of material and knowledge that somebody can start from. Mm-hmm. Where you know five years ago it wasn't that way, ten years ago it wasn't that way, and twenty years ago it was back to you know recipes weren't written down. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, we get to a point now where. Um, 
you know, 12 years after Franklin opened or 13 years now after almost 13 years after it opened, it seems like an old fashioned barbecue joint. And heck, it's one of the older ones on the top 50 now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, when I, I went through and, and did an average age of the top 50, and I think um, I think in 2017, the average age of the top 50 place was about 15. And now it's 10. Like, that's the average age. Yeah. You know, taking Kreitz Market off, which I'm sure you'll want to talk about that. Taking Kreitz Market off open in 1901 certainly skews that average quite a bit. Well, 1901, 99, <laughs> depends on how you factor yeah, the yeah. building. <laughs> but, I mean, yeah, the, the Lockhart places is definitely something we're going to, we want to talk about because we, we do think it's important to, to keep those places in the barbecue lexicon. We understand why they're not on the top 50 because top 50 is top 50 and the quality just isn't where it needs to be for it to be on those lists. But, you know, you talked about the evolution of barbecue. Let's talk a little bit about the evolution of your role with Texas Monthly. You've been with Texas Monthly for nine years, starting your 10th year now. How has your role grown and evolved as barbecue as a whole cuisine has grown and evolved? Well, I mean, how has it grown? Um, I mean, it's not a... My role isn't a whole lot different now than it was when I started. Now, what I do is a lot different, but I think the surprising thing about where I'm at right now is just that I'm still doing it. And I don't even know if Texas monthly when they hired me thought that this uh, particular position had this long legs, like that it would last this long. And certainly I've been helped tremendously by the fact that the, um, the barbecue peak that everyone has been talking about for the last nine years hasn't (laughs) come. And so there's still plenty of plenty more ground to cover and plenty more stories to tell. Um, Certainly the way that I tell those stories has changed quite a bit. I used to focus, um, much like I did in my original blog, Full Custom Gospel Barbecue, I focused almost primarily on the food. Or I, I focused primarily on the food. I focused almost entirely on the food as well. And uh, nowadays I don't really write about a place unless I can talk to one of the owners or pitmasters and get some something about their story, um, their motivations, and and what got them started in the business, how they learned it, and and what keeps them going. I think those things are just as interesting as the food these days. And so um, that is part of what has changed for me at Texas Monthly uh, quite a bit. And and I know that we've you've talked about on the podcast and many people talk about the sort of getting bored of, of Texas barbecue because it's so good and it's just all the same. It's an, it's yeah, yeah. It's, it's a really stupid problem. But the, yeah, yeah it, it is. It's, it's, it's kind of silly when you, when you look back and think of it, it's like, Oh darn, we have so much great barbecue to eat. Uh, but the one thing that is always different is all the stories behind it and the stories behind the different places that open and or have been in business for a really long time. As, as you've made these relationships, especially from, from back in the blog days, I mean, I have to admit, I loved reading the, the blog and your book. When, you know, I, I'll never forget the article. You, know, you heard the ringing of the microwave bell. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> and some of those experiences were really bad. Um, it's, you know, the average of barbecue has increased for sure. Um, but you've made those relationships over the year. And some of those people aren't making the top 50 list and, you know, they didn't deserve to make the top 50 list. But how do you balance those relationships? Because, I mean, we have the same problem as well. You know, even if we don't visit a restaurant in a trip, somebody might get upset and we're like, well, you know, we don't have time. But we've also had to have some very frank discussions with some of our good friends. On, and hey, everyone loved our list. You know. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so but how do you kind of balance that with people that maybe they just don't understand why? Well, 
I mean, that's obviously a difficult thing. Uh, I try to just go forward with the knowledge that it's not really up to me, uh, whether that relationship is the same or, or a whole lot different because of where I put somebody on a list or didn't put them on a list. And, you know, for the most part, it doesn't really make a whole lot of difference. Um, it certainly comes up. Like, I was... Um, I was at a dinner at uh, I was at a dinner at Tris restaurant in the Woodlands, and they were doing a collaboration with Corkscrew. It was great. I talked to Will um, and and Austin Simmons, who's the chef there, about everything they were doing, and it was just a great conversation. I sat down at a table with Nicole uh, Buckman, who's co-owner there at Corkscrew Barbecue, and we were having a great conversation. And then uh, somebody sat down at the table and said, "Oh, see, so y'all are talking about why they didn't why they weren't in the top ten anymore, huh?" I was like, no, that's not what we were talking about at all. You know, it, it's like that didn't even come up in our conversation. And certainly we both know that that happened. But as far as the importance of that for the conversation we were having, it didn't really have any importance. For other people, they feel like, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think some other people feel like our relationship is built primarily on whether you make the top 50 or not. Um, and that somehow it's uh, only up to me that it has nothing to do with the quality of barbecue being served. And we also know that the the top 50 list is built on individual visits, right? It's not it's not built on, you know, uh, hundreds of Yelp reviews or whatever. It's built on individual visits, and sometimes those can be better than what you normally put out, and sometimes they can be worse than what you normally put out. And that does make it tough. Um, but, you know, the one place where our two lists, and I... I do want to applaud the effort that y'all put in in your list. Like, um, people can make fun of like, do we need another barbecue list or whatnot? But y'all put in the work. Y'all put in more work than a lot of like national magazines put in to put putting together a, a, a barbecue list. And you know, one of the places that ours differed pretty dramatically was the fact that you had Regal's barbecue in your top twenty, and we didn't have it in our top fifty. And you know, I uh, I've talked to Russell many times and Misty, and um, you know, it's. Yeah, uh, it's just a place that I love to go, and I love to have conversations with them. And so when I sat down to the meal there, that was basically like the tiebreaker, and um, you know, I, I saw it on the plate, and I was just like, "Damn it!" Uh, I, I knew, I knew what that that plate there meant, and I also knew that it was that plate, like that was the that was the tiebreaker. You know, some people had had good, uh, good meals there. Some people had had below average meals there, and so my visit was that tiebreaker. And uh, you know, if if I were just choosing names out of you know, off, you know, choosing names off of a written list, like of course I would have chosen Regal's Barbecue as as one of the fifty best. Uh, but as far as like judging the food on the plate that day, I couldn't. And so, I mean, those kind of decisions. I think a lot of food writers want to make you believe that uh, it. That none of those sort of personal feelings or emotions come into the decisions or or even you know come into their mind when they're making that decision and that's crazy of course it does you know I've been doing this for nine years and I've certainly built up a lot of those relationships so you know it, it is uh, it is more painful and, and we've had that that same problem and especially you know we, we appreciate your comments on our list but you know there were places that we couldn't get to more than once and we really wanted to you know, sometimes it was really good and we wanted to go back to make sure that was consistent and sometimes it wasn't as good we wanted to go back and that was really tough yeah there was at least one place where we had a sigh of relief because the next visit 
put them on our list and we there's places where you know we hope to put them on their list and so we went back a second time and just didn't quite get there so and it's tough because like you said there's when you're as involved in immersion barbecue as you are it it's impossible not to develop you know professional relationships personal relationships and it's hard not to root for the people that you have an affinity for but at the end of the day if you're judging the food and the experience objectively then you've got to go based on those experiences not based on your personal likes or, or dislikes for that matter i mean right. i mean it's not to say like we're not best friends with every single person we put on our list and we're not you know enemies with everyone that didn't make our list but it's it is about the experience um you know one of the things that we did want to ask you is does your experience over the years factor into the list or is it during the research time is the crux of how you do or don't make the list it's really about the research time uh i mean my all my past experiences and the past experiences of people on our staff uh, they do factor into that larger list of the places that we're going to visit to help put that top 50 together. But it really is all about what are you doing right now? Um, you know, what's the, what's the food that we're being served right now? And not really about what the history of your place on the list has been or, or what you've meant to, you know, to the magazine or what you've meant to the events that we've had and things like that. Like, if it was a place like Style Switch would be a shoe in. I mean, they were, they've been really good to us as far as uh, hosting events and things like that in their event space. Uh, always been very supportive of the magazine, and so you know, if we were taking those things into consideration, then that would be, a, uh, of course, they made it. So one of the things that we really struggled with was you know Lockhart, old school barbecue, and we came up with an you know, for us we came up with an experience rating, and that helped put the Lockhart joints higher up on our list because to us you know, experience is part of that overall overall experience I guess I don't know a better way to explain it um, you know Lockhart's fallen off the Texas monthly list I know it's not something you wanted to have happen and the Texas monthly festival is in Lockhart I mean it, how hard was that to struggle with realizing that like that whole area well I mean it was our event in. people that had to go to the city council and ask them to, <laughs> to put it on the, um, to, to allow us to host the event there and they did get some questions about the top 50 list and the lack of Lockhart joints on there um, but uh, you know and certainly the experience and the atmosphere and the, the whole feeling of going to a place has some factor in it it's not a very high factor it's more for like tiebreakers things like that of which place would i more which place would i um, recommend more highly for someone to actually go experience and visit if, if the food being equal this is the one i would rather send people to that in that sense it makes a difference but um you know both pat sharp and i went through uh, separately and went to all four of the places in lockhart um she did one day and I did another day like a month later and we just came away with thinking that it'd be unfair um, based on the food that we got that it would be unfair to put them above uh, 50 other places that we'd already been to um, and that's just goes to show the quality of the barbecue I mean it's not like Franklin barbecue got any worse it's not like snow's barbecue got any worse um, it's just all this new blood is just I mean, they're cutthroat. They're doing so well. And that that had to be like the 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 point differential. Oh, I mean, the difference between so number close. one and number ten. I mean, talk about minuscule. Uh, you know, it's it that part gets harder and harder every time. And you know, in in 2017, it would have been easy to 
come up with like 60 places and all right let's argue about these other 10 that aren't going to make it and this time around it was more like okay um here's our here's what we have for our 100 places um what about these 110 you know 100 101 through 120 and yeah, that's like the college football playoff like no matter how much you expand it there's still going to be that debate over the last little mm-hmm. get in or don't get in mm-hmm. and then how much you do, do you dilute the honor of making it the bigger you expand the list to so i'm personally glad you guys kept it at 50 the honorable mentions expanding i think was good because it did give you guys a chance to highlight you know more of the barbecue uh, one of the things that that of course was a big theme on this list was, you know the new wave of barbecue the new school the new kids in barbecue and I, that was obviously reflected i think three if, correct me if i'm wrong but i think three of the top four were too new to even make your 20, 2019 best new barbecue list mm-hmm did when when you guys started putting those rankings together? Did that give you any pause, knowing that there's so much like this list has to live on? You've said it before; the list has to live on for four years. Did did you, did you have any trepidation with these places being so new? Like, is this putting a big burden on these guys? Are they ready for this? Whether that you know, whether that be Goldie's or Burnt Bean or we, we or do think seller. about that. We think about if a place is going to be ready for it. Uh, we really did feel like all of them were. You know, the <clears throat> the rule that we um, put in place for ourselves was that. To make the top ten, you had to be in business for at least a year, uh, and Burnt Bean was too good to to not you know toss that rule aside. It was just that good. They'd only been open uh, by the time the list came out in the November issue. So let's say it's the no- November issue. So they were eleven months old by the time the November issue came out, um, and you know it was just it was too good to to leave them off because of that technicality. It was just so dang good, and remains that way. Uh, but did it give us pause? No. I mean, it, it wouldn't make much sense to me with all of the new blood that's come in, with all of the new places that are opening with such high-quality barbecue. Um, it would seem like we were skewing things toward the legends or towards the history or uh, you know, skewing things away from the younger places uh, just for sake of their age. Um, if we didn't include a lot of them in the top 10. So, you know, we just let them fall where they where they may. Like we came up with, um, Pat Sharp and I came up with 25, 26 different places to visit uh, for the uh, top 10. And that's what we ended up with uh, based on those visits. It wasn't, um, you know, here's 26 and five of them are going to be at least, uh, you know, 20 years old. And <laughs> it was just like, which, which places right. have been right. the most impressive recently? Hey, talking about Texas Monthly Barbecue, let's talk about the Texas Monthly Barbecue Club. Let's talk about it. They've got a really good special going on for TMBBQ Club for the month of May, which is National Barbecue Month. Guys, you can get 50% off the Barbecue Club this month only. Um, So check out the link in our show notes to go ahead and sign up. Subscribe for your first year at 50% off. That is right. $49 for the year. You get the, the full welcome kit that comes with the sticker, the apron, all that cool stuff, and you get some more perks. Tell them a little bit about the uh, Barbecue Fest tickets. Yeah, so everybody should be aware Texas Monthly Barbecue Fest is in Lockhart this year. It's a multi-day event. Uh, tickets are going to go on sale to the general public on July 1st, but if you're a Texas Monthly Club member, you can start getting access on June 8th. So it's a great way to get in and make sure you get the VIP passes before they sell out, um, and that's through the Texas Monthly Barbecue Club, which, again, in the month of May, 50% off. All right, let's jump back into it. So we're done with lists. Lists are done until 2025 or... 20- well, no, you have the top 25. Oh, yeah. Already oh, already right. working on the best new barbecue joint list for, yes, the next yeah. year. Gosh, is it really going to be 25 new joints that open? It probably already is about 50 it, it that have opened. There are, yeah. Golly. Yeah. There's probably 25 that opened up this week. 
Yeah, yeah, probably. All right, Brian. Well, uh, kind of along those lines, I mean, what's we're going to go on both ends of the spectrum here. Within Texas barbecue and the growth, what's something that you're just kind of would wish you would see less of, you're kind of tired of, and what's something that you wish you would see more of? Hmm. I mean, the thing I wish I would see more of has been the same answer for a long time, and that's pork steak. Um, yeah, we we, uh, we we didn't we pay might, him to say that. Yeah, I promise. We might agree with you on that. No, but yeah. here's the thing: is to me the the pork shoulder, the smoked pork shoulder, it's fine, right? It's um, it, it, it certainly I can understand why a lot of pitmasters want to serve it. Uh, it's a lot less expensive than beef. Um, it's easier to cook than a brisket. All those things, right? But the thing is, like to me, I want more surface area. Like the more surface area you can get on the piece of meat, the better. Like uh, to me, a, 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 a pork rib, you know, you've got all that surface area, all that potential for flavor in every bite, and you lose so much of that in a pork shoulder. But if you slice it into pork steaks and cook it that way, um, and, and it just, I don't know, it just, it, it's like the fat's not always completely melted either. So you, you get to bite through that, like, nicely cooked fat. Uh, you actually get a bark on it that's not already, like, mixed in with all the other strands of meat. Um, it's just better. And, like, and I will say, you know, at a profit margin line, don't charge $18 a pound for pork steaks. It, um, you're going to have a hard time. I think that's part of the reason they taken off too. in the big yeah. cities is... People don't want to buy it by the pound because they want the whole steak, but people don't want to pay it, you know, don't want to buy a pound and a half steak. I mean, it's for whatever reason, it seems to have been a tough sell in the bigger cities. The small towns that have served it for a long time still have success with it, but a lot of the places that we talked to have tried to put it on the menu and just. Yeah, but I mean, you say charge less for it, but that's the thing is like all these places, they need to charge, um, they need to charge more for everything but brisket, right? They need to charge more right. for the sausages and the turkey and chicken and, and pork and, and whatever it might be. Um, they need to charge more to be able to make up some profit in those items that they're losing in the brisket, uh, you know, unless they're charging over $30 a pound for it. Like if you're not charging. $30 a pound for prime brisket right now, then you're not making a very good profit on it. Right. And, and, and what I mean too, is I'm not saying charge $2 a pound, but, um, there's a nice profit in pork steak. One of the things is they have to slice it themselves. If they're paying somebody else to slice it. Yeah. We've heard some crazy prices yeah. from purveyors on providing pork steaks, but now that everyone wants to do whole hog, you guys all have saws also. Let's, uh, let's <laughs> yeah. go. Let's start cutting up yeah. some pork steaks, you guys. Well, well, yeah, but I mean, whole hog, I mean, talk about the necessity of having, a huge population to draw from to be able to come eat it you know a place like cadillac has got that uh popularity to be able to cook that much whole hog and be able to serve it along with everything else if you think about the way that whole hog joints operate in the carolinas that's the only that, thing they cook that or is maybe their some, menu yeah or maybe some chicken right but people who are going to eat there are going to eat whole hog that's why they're going and so they're able to serve an entire pig or two or three or six or whatever it might be. Um, but here, like the amount of commitment in Texas that you've got to show to be able to buy a specialized piece of equipment for the most part, um, people are using the BQ grills, to be able to buy that specialized piece of equipment, invest in an entire animal, invest the time into cooking something that you have have to watch completely, watch and cook completely differently than the briskets over on the offset smoker and then have, you know, whatever, uh, 60 pounds of meat to sell. And if you don't sell all of that, then you've, 
completely wasted all of your efforts for yeah. not yeah, making you, any you money. You can't hold it like you can the other meat. Yet so another reason to cook pork steak. You have another use for that BQ grill, guys. <laughs> <laughs> and chicken. There you go. Yeah, we, yeah, we don't chicken see... On, we chicken don't on see. the BQ grill, uh, it is really great. I had some at J-Bar-M um, like a month ago or so. And um, also at Brick's Barbecue, they're doing a chimichurri chicken on the BQ grill. And if anybody's unfamiliar with that grill, it's just uh, it is an, uh, a... It's a whole hog cooker, but basically it's just a direct heat cooker. So you shovel coals into it. Uh, the meat sits directly above the coals, and so you get that that additional flavor from the fat dripping down into the coals. And so it works really well on chicken, works really, really well on pork steaks, and really anything cut. I mean, that's how Tootsie cooks uh, all of her chickens and pork steaks, and um, used to be the pork ribs as well. So... It works really well on those thin cuts of meat and, and provides an additional layer of flavor that you wouldn't normally get from just smoking it. Yeah, we definitely, I mean, it, I would say while we love pork steaks, I think anything direct heat, we would always like to see more of because people, a lot of people are doing offset chicken and it has a certain flavor profile, but it's not the same as that direct heat sizzling fat smoking up. Yeah. It's not, but you also have to remember just with the with the profit margins and barbecue being what they are right now, um, it's a considerable amount of fuel that needs to be used to create those hot coals to cook like that. Um, I mean, Todd David, if you talk to him at Cadillac about how much wood he goes through running all of his offset smokers, which one, he's got three over there, or is it four? I think it's four. Well, one, one, uh, one 500, yeah. And then um, how much wood he uses in cooking one whole hog i mean it's like five times the amount of wood for the one whole hog cooker um so it does take a considerable amount of fuel to produce one of those yeah we, we talked with robert moss recently about you know about how some of these old school carolina places are staying in business right now with the cost of everything plus the cost of wood and everything that they're doing and charcoal baby yeah he, he <laughs> said other than charcoal, i mean he, it, it's getting harder and harder to do because they can't charge the prices that we can charge here in texas for barbecue and we went to, to Heights Barbecue in West Columbia recently, and they just went up to $10 a pound on everything. Their, their, their entire menu is just $10 a pound, whether that's chicken or the rib cut hog or, or anything that you get from there. And, of course, they got pushed back on that because they'd been at 8 or 9 for so long. So, I mean, we're, you know, we, we, like to, we like to bitch and moan to Texas about the cost of meat and what's, what it's costing us. But, you know, by and large, you know, other regions of barbecue are having just as hard a time with it, if not harder, because they can't get anywhere near the prices that we're able to charge right now. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a tough market, right? It's just that we're so dependent on brisket Yes, and those brisket prices and brisket prices specifically for the upper choice and, and the prime briskets, which, uh, you know, for any of these new places or most all the places on the top 50, that's what they're using. And like the amount that we've got to pay for that, because there is no other cut that anybody's willing to do other than Evan Leroy doing the beef cheeks every day. But uh, for the most part, like nobody's been comfortable enough to go to a different, um, you know, a, a different cut of beef to be the sort of everyday beef protein for Texas barbecue, which I, I think is short-sighted. I think that uh, there needs to be somebody out there to sort of jump the gun on that. Um, I was like like Chuck Roll or I mean I mean I know I know uh, Buchanan and Dozier's is trying to bring Claude but um, well, you've talked about Chuck Roll in the well past, yeah right? and I was um, you know it's a kind of a unique situation at, at Half Acre Barbecue in Midland um, which is the same owner as Midland Meat Company and Scarborough Ranch Beef but um, all of their chopped beef none of their chopped beef is brisket all their chopped beef is shoulder or chuck or whatever now 
they have whole beef coming into the market, which is what they use at the barbecue joint. So they are able to get much better prices for all those things because it's their own beef that they're using. Um, uh, but recently he started buying briskets from a purveyor because they're, the brisket got too popular at the restaurant and among all the competition barbecue cooks that are buying his Wagyu Cross brisket, it got too popular. And I, I told him that, that you know, he missed his perfect opportunity to you know, start serving w- whatever it might be. You know, um, whether it's, you know, serve, they do a great smoked tri-tip and smoked picanha, um, whether that's doing something like the chuck roll, uh, trying anything really to, I guess, sort of get Texans a little more open-minded about eating smoked beef that isn't specifically brisket. Now, I love cheek. I mean, I it, maybe it's a hard sell for everybody. Maybe you don't call it cheek. I don't know. But you know, I think I think the way that Evan does it, slices it. It, I mean, it's very comparable to brisket to me. Yeah, but but I, I think it also depends on market. I think it's a lot easier to sell that in on South Congress in Austin than it would be in some of these other places too. You know, I think there's you know there's certain areas where that will play and some areas that will won't. But I think diversified menus is something that we are going to keep seeing more of. Not just because you've got more chefs and creative people getting into barbecue, but because it gives you more things to sell other than brisket, which is always the loss leader. Well, just go back to the old days. Call it sliced beef and chopped beef. I mean, <laughs> yeah, they don't have to know. We all that assume is. that it's brisket uh, <laughs> if you see those things on a menu right now. But right. I was I was talking to somebody about tri-tip, and I said just call it smoked sirloin. I said, you know, there's this this negative connotation in Texas with tri-tip, and and this person prepared it, and it was really good. And I said, you know, if you just called it, hold on, I don't think there's a negative connotation with tri-tip <laughs> in Texas. I think there's some people who want to like the whole "Don't California my Texas" BS. <laughs> uh, Sure, like they see tri-tip as like some encroachment, but I think for in general, the the general population just has no idea what tri-tip is. Right. So calling it smoked sirloin, I think would be something. I, I think that would be brilliant because people know what sirloin is. Exactly. Yeah. That's the whole idea. Is like, okay, I know what sirloin is, and it tastes yeah. like smoked sirloin. So, but, but like I also that. wonder what the Yelp reviews and complaints would be if you called something <laughs> sliced beef. It comes on the metal tray, and it doesn't look like what they've seen on Instagram eight thousand times. I mean. They, They'll know it's not brisket when they see it on the Impossible tray. Impossible so brisket. We did, we did an event um, here in Dallas called Birthright Barbecue, and it was all about whole animal cooking. And so um, we brought a bunch of pitmasters. So uh, Elliot Moss uh, from North Carolina and Todd David was there cooking. Uh, we had Aaron Franklin and Evan Leroy and Patrick Fegis. And uh, the Smokey Johns guys were doing sausage in an old-school smokehouse. But anyway, Evan and Aaron team up to do a whole beef, right? So it was cut into sections, but it it was a whole animal from 44 Farms. And they were cooking it over direct heat. And then, um, you know, it was an all-night cook and then just separate it all out and start slicing different cuts throughout the day to serve to everyone. And I heard some people coming through the line, and Aaron was on the block slicing. Heard some people come through the line, they're eating it, and they're just like, Aaron Franklin's brisket is just not that juicy. <laughs> and it's like, you know, that's because you're eating round. Like, right. <laughs> you know, you're eating from a whole beef. It's not just brisket. The whole uh, cow is not brisket. Yes, yeah. exactly. But yeah, I think that's, you know, switching up the meats, but being able to find the right way to market the meats. You know, same thing with pork belly. We see people, um, some people call it pork brisket. Um, some people call it bacon brisket yeah. and, and that's a good way to try to get people to just have a different 
a, a different realization of what these things are and try them. Yeah, you got to find different buzzwords to get them into it. Because yeah, bacon, I'll eat. Pork belly, what is that? I mean, and and that I I actually did with pork steaks. I I marinated them in in the bacon brine, so they were bacon steaks. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I was pretty pleased with them. I thought they came out pretty damn well. Um, and that's the thing, you know, market them as bacon steaks. Okay, we've got a, a few rapid-fire questions for you, Daniel. Oh, first, boy. First thing that comes into Do your we? head. A barbecue place more people will be talking about this time next year is? Reese Brothers Barbecue in San Antonio. Good answer. Yeah, I agree. Fill in the blank. If Texas Monthly List were solely about Daniel Vaughn's favorite places to visit, blank would have made the list. Kreitz Market. I mean, I just took my family there. Um, like two weeks ago, we headed down to San Antonio, and we had a great meal. Um, the brisket was, eh. but uh, I mean the meal overall, the sausage is just fantastic. The we had prime rib. I mean, yeah, it was great. I love eating there. I, I love doing I love the, the trifecta uh, in, yeah. in Lockhart too. Mm-hmm. It's like you get, you get bing bang boom. Um, we, we've we've banged the drum for years. We've talked about this. There, there's a couple of lists that that we have of yours that we followed. One was a pork steak list. It was phenomenal. Most of the places were pretty amazing. Um, I still want to try to get back to Ronnie's if he's open in Dimebox because that was no, one Jake's, of the ones. Jake's, Jake's, Jake's. Yeah, Jake's and Dimebox. Jake's and Good Dimebox. old Jake's, yeah. yeah. Jake's and Dimebox. That was a cool spot. That was a great one. Of course, Kalagny, we've talked about a million times because you turned us on to that. And that's just, we took Joe Zavala and Jay Arnold there a couple weeks ago, and they were just blown away because, again, it was that simplicity and old school that they just hadn't had in a long time. But let's talk about banana pudding. Okay. So, so, so you had a banana pudding list. Some of the places aren't even in Most existence of them aren't even in open anymore. Yeah. Probably at yeah. this point. And yeah. the quality of banana pudding right now is so much better than yes. it was during that list. I mean, going to uh, Burnt Bean, they oh, do the crushed. Uh, yeah, yeah. We were just going to say name us five banana puddings. <laughs> the right crushed now. pecan sandies at the bottom. The buñuelo. Uh, the buñuelo. The buñuelo on top. Yeah, that's a really fantastic banana pudding. Uh, a thoroughly underrated banana pudding uh is a truth barbecue and it's underrated because of the the cakes they they do these massive three-layer cakes they're wonderful beautiful delicious uh, but because those cakes are so popular the banana pudding doesn't get ordered nearly as often so it's like these little orphans sitting in the cooler but it's really fantastic uh, now i don't know if it counts but but dane's banana bourbon delight it's not really banana pudding. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you're talking banana and bourbon, it's Regal's Barbecue. Yeah. Yes. That there you go. banana pudding is special. Um, Sometimes a little too special. <laughs> oh, yeah. It, yeah it's there powerful. was one time yeah. when they, they, the, they doubled the, the recipe. Off. Yeah. yeah, you take the lid off that thing, and there's no doubt that that is bourbon banana pudding. Um, I'm trying to think of any others. Man, just going off the top of my head here. See, normally I'd go back and look at all my photos, <laughs> yeah, yeah. scroll through to, to find I mean, Miller, ones. Miller. You're Miller's, just going to have to write a whole other list. Right, Daniel, right. You just got to start over, <laughs> go on the road. Miller's, Miller's has a, I mean, they have a lot of good Miller, desserts. Yeah, yeah, Miller's desserts are well. just killer from start to finish. I mean, Yeah, and then get a cup of their coffee along with it. Yeah. I mean, and we saw that article, and it's interesting. There's, you know, that is kind of a thing now. We're seeing a lot, a lot of coffee. More of a dessert coffee, though. Yeah, a lot. I mean, lots of coffee and barbecue now. And uh, one of the like the first comment on uh, when it was posted on Facebook and Texas Monthly was like, "Never has been, never will be." It's like, (laughs) no, really. There's a long history of serving coffee with barbecue. It was just a different kind of coffee and a different kind of barbecue. Exactly. Yes. We've talked plenty about pork steak, so we'll get away from proteins. What What do you think is an underrated or underutilized barbecue side? That's a tough question because. 
all I mean we in the top 50 issue we did a whole article about all things corn because corn has gotten to be like this the de facto starch uh, there's you know there's plenty of potato salad and plenty of mac and cheese out there but the varieties of corn um, so we don't need any more corn is what I'm saying because <laughs> um, we've got plenty of it not that it's a bad thing I, I, I like it I like the variety of it um, one of my favorites one of my favorite things to eat is the pea salad at slow bone but I don't ever think pea salad is going to catch on. I mean, it's called pea salad. Like, I, I get I get it. Why you, you say that, but next week you're going to see 10 different people tagging you in pea salad. <laughs> Come eat my pea salad. <laughs> well, and I mean, pea salad, it's like, uh, it's, it's like the landmine of Texas barbecue because about 75% of the pea salads out there are made with canned peas. And that's an abomination. That's like making banana pudding with boxed banana flavored pudding just like his grandma used to that's yeah. right yeah. Uh, yeah no canned pea salad in the in the no canned peas in the pea salad please i mean i've certainly seen a lot more brussels sprouts but that's a little frou-frou uh, i love brussels sprouts but man i mean we've seen collard greens pop up a lot i'd personally like to see more carrot preparations in barbecue i mean there's there's a couple like of places Fijis. i mean Fijis does moroccan yeah. carrots the carrot dip dip at oh. convenience west all right here's my answer more cabbage more cooked cabbage you already have it in the kitchen right you, you've already got uh um, almost every barbecue joint out there has coleslaw you've already got it in the kitchen it's incredibly cheap it goes so well with the fats that come off of all types of barbecue, whether it's brisket fat or pork fat. Um, it can cook right in the smoker um, and just be braised down. More cabbage. Pitforks and Smoke Rings does a good cooked cabbage size. Smolix, Smolix and Mathis does a really great cabbage. And, and restaurants need to balance their, their cheaper sides with their expensive sides. Well, and they need to balance more vegetables, even if they are soaked in pork fat. Um, <laughs> Tallow, yeah. everything in tallow. S- some more vegetables. So um, a lot of different cuisines are being fused with Texas barbecue. You know, we see Tex-Mex, we see Asian. Um, is there a particular type of cuisine you would like to see more of with Texas barbecue? Well, so I saw Don Wynn last night of Koi Barbecue, and he said Pakistani's next. Um, <laughs> you know, I do think that Indian food, certainly we, we see the curries with Curry Boys. Um you know a lot of the Thai curries. I think, I think Indian food. Um, I think um, any sort of middle Middle Eastern food like smoked meat with um, with hummus, uh, smoked meat on a pita. I mean, and we know Zay that at Smoke and Z's has wanted to do some some more of that as well. Yeah. Well, yeah, and yeah. Stephen Joseph at um, Riverport Barbecue in Jefferson, he came to a barbecue event of ours and he brought uh, smoked chicken and smoked brisket and served it on a pita with tzatziki and cucumbers and onions and it was just fantastic. But he said, you know, it's not going to sell at my restaurant. I was going to say, yeah, that's surprising. Yeah, I can't imagine that in in Jefferson, Texas. But but he's yeah. Lebanese and I said, you know, show it off a little bit at the at this event we're doing if you don't think anybody's going to buy it at the restaurant at least offer it up here and who knows maybe you'll gather a demand for it okay so next year texas monthly says okay 10 years is enough for being a barbecue editor we want you to be an editor of any other kind of food you want what do you pick hmm i mean i like burgers too much to do that to myself (laughs) but the thing i still like barbecue i still like he he wants to be the taco editor now sorry jose sorry jose you're out (laughs) (laughs) no i don't want to be the taco editor i don't know Burgers, oysters, sushi. Be the sushi editor. 
That would take a lot, though. I love sushi, but I really don't know a whole lot about it. That's a perfect opportunity. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. All right, so this one's gonna gonna take a little thinking. Um, it it sounds easy, but I know you got to think about this. So, um, we've had episodes where we talk about what our dream plate of barbecue is. So, oh, hold on, one more of yes. what I don't want to be. I do not want to be the chicken fried steak editor. All right. <laughs> what about the hot chicken? Like I can't imagine like when you're on the third chicken fried steak of the day. The yeah, that gravy the questions about like a... what you've done to yourself. Right. <laughs> Well, and now they're doing Wagyu chicken fried steak, too. So it's it's, it's as fatty yeah, as it, that is. Yeah. Wild Oats in Houston, I think they dredge the um, the steak in ranch dressing <laughs> and then fry it. <laughs> it's delicious. It. I've had it. It's oh But it's God. Wagyu chicken fried steak drenched in ranch dressing. Wow. I'm kind of hungry now. <laughs> um, so so your dream plate of barbecue. Now, this is, this is the rule. Um, three meats, two sides, any restaurant... Any sides, any meats, could you pick some? At least today. I know that that changes from day right. to day. And too. for the record, yeah. we came up with this question before Sandler's podcast came out yesterday, <laughs> yes, yes. where he did the exact same thing. Yes. Thanks, Eric. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's it's like an impossible question, it's especially giving me no preparation for yeah. it. <laughs> that's why I said, yeah, it's like this is going to be tough. Yeah. Um, I mean, Tootsie's pork steak. And still, when you go to City Market in Luling and you break that sausage and swipe it through that sauce, like it's... And ruin a shirt. It's yeah. so hard to beat. Yeah. Uh, but as far as like new school, Brick's Barbecue in Fort Worth does this jalapeno cheese sausage, which, I mean, it is just perfection in hog casing. It's just so good. It just is like... It's like uh, you stare at it too hard and it's going to burst. Like it's just <laughs> right there on the verge. It's... Oh, uh, yeah. Engorged is not a great word to use for it, but you know what I mean. It's uh, it's just a perfect sausage. Um, the sides, I mean, there, so there's this, uh, the beans at Dane's, like the really simple thing that they do with the beans at Dane's. It's like these, uh, I really enjoy like these simple changes that completely change your experience of eating something so at dane's barbecue in fort worth on the beans they do uh cheese and fritos and the candied jalapenos the candied and the candied jalapenos, jalapenos right? for it, what that that little change like Damn. it's not much but it makes it taste like a completely different item yeah. um than, than a you know a pot of beans or a, a, a side cup of beans and then the same thing with the corn pudding at burnt bean they do a little bit of crema and a little of the tahini on top and just adding that little bit of acid from the uh, from the crema on top of the really rich and sweet um, you know corn pudding really sets it off. Yeah, I'm not I'm not doing a very good job here. No, no, that's, no, that's, no, that's yeah, technically three meats and two sides. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I think I think and nobody's going to hold you to it because it like I said it changes from day to day because honestly the the food changes from day to day. There's so much new innovation too. But, but, but yeah, I mean what you just said kind of alludes to everything that we talk about with barbecue I and mean, that's what makes burnt beans so good it's not just that they have great brisket or I mean, great the, sausage the bacon rib from Leroy and Lewis <laughs> yeah <laughs> I dream about that rib it's been too long since I've had it well it should be a long time between <laughs> yeah. each bacon rib that you have from there because yeah it requires a bit of a break afterwards yeah like I said I went back and, and started looking at your blog the very first pictures and and I know the cameras weren't there and 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 whatnot. And the plating wasn't there. The plating either. wasn't yeah, there. But, but good God, you look at the that barbecue and that was the standard. Well, I mean, I look back at my 
first review of Franklin Barbecue, which they opened in December of 2009, and it was in January 2010 that I first wrote about it. And I looked at this the photo of the brisket, and of course, like you said, it's grainy. It was an old phone, but um, I mean, uh, Franklin would be embarrassed to serve that brisket these days, and it was to me like revelatory it was just so good and so much better than a lot of other brisket that i'd had before and so yeah um just seeing how far it's come not only in texas but then seeing how popular texas barbecue itself is uh, across the country and i mean who would have thought that in the carolinas you would have brisket being smoked i mean it's just it's crazy to think about or it would have been crazy to think about just a few years ago and then traveling around the world no, no matter what large city i go to you're gonna find some form of and, texas and barbecue. good barbecue not just some not, form, not always not always but yeah. but yeah i mean even you but know somebody doing something that they call texas barbecue. right 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 well, I mean, like, yeah it, soul it, belly in las vegas i mean there's these places that are popping up and and I know, like, Holy Smoke has been around for a long time. I haven't in had Sweden, it yeah. in Sweden, yeah. but like, like, genuinely good quality. Well, Texas I mean, you wrote about Kansas City recently, and I, I'm sure everyone in the city got mad at you for basically saying that all the best. Not barbecue. everybody in the city got mad. <laughs> at well, me. well some, some of the older school people, but so, uh, but yeah. yeah, some of the best barbecue in Kansas City is not Kansas City style barbecue. Um, sorry, guys. Well, and um, I think, well, obviously, we're Texans, right? And so. People think that we have a really inflated view of ourselves and our state and everything the state produces, uh, and it's kind of because we do. Uh, but the <laughs> so a lot of that I think was discounted by Kansas City barbecue fans. Is ah just some Texan coming in here? It's like, but if you read through it, I didn't say any of this. I let all of the pitmasters in Kansas City <laughs> say how poor Kansas City barbecue that has was become. Pretty smart of you, by the way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and. Um, to me, the big difference, like Texas-style barbecue, I'm, I'm making air quotes right now, the thing that I think is the most different about Texas-style barbecue from other styles of barbecue, whether it's Kansas City or Memphis or, or the Carolinas, is, is an absolute demand for consistency. And that is just something that most Kansas City barbecue does not have. Most Memphis barbecue does not have that demand that every plate, plate after plate, serving after serving, day after day, week after week, it is the best they can put out, and they're trying to do that every time. And that is what defines the, if you want to call it the modern movement of Texas barbecue, that's what defines it. And the places that get left behind, uh, the, the older places that get left behind, it's not so much for what they're cooking, uh, it is have they adapted to that expectation of consistently great barbecue every time that's all that's all yeah that's it we're done we can turn off the mics now yep no i think it's a good way no we've we've got a uh we've got a five-year birthday shot of birthday bourbon that we're going to drink now so we'll turn off the mics okay well (laughs) well thank you all for having me thank you i appreciated talking with you and um and i truly mean it the uh listening to everything that y'all did at your own expense to to travel the state and to put together your own barbecue list like that was impressive we wanted to number one we wanted to kind of experience that aspect of it um it was painful and, and now you got to experience the backlash yeah yeah, I yeah. Mean, absolutely oh, yeah. and, right. and there, there was a little bit of anonymity because we each had our own scores and then the, the result was the average of those scores so we didn't agree on everything uh, but the list is what was that that combination of that agreement all right. Well, I think uh, I think we've, I think we've much done. Taken yeah, up we've taken a, enough of his here. time. You know, we could talk all day. Maybe we can talk again, but 
we're it, we're kind it, of, it only took us five years to finally sit down yes, and yes. do this. Uh, but yeah, it's been the it, it, it's been a blast. What a, what a ride barbecue has been, though. 